Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 394. So it's, it's about connection. And, I, and right now, I want to continue the connection, but I want to make it stronger, too. I want to uh, involve more of the community and make it bigger. And my dream is to have a podcast network here, an audacious network, where I have other folks telling food stories under the umbrella because there are thousands of them here. And I'm just one woman. I can't get to them all. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Increase return visits by 200% with 5 Stars. 5 Stars helps you build a database of your customers' spend and visit behaviors. 5 Stars also helps you stay continually connected by automatically sending personalized offers and rewards. To learn more, head over to get.5stars.com slash unstoppable or use promotional code unstoppable. And when you set up a demo, 5 Stars will send you a $25 gift card to some of their favorite retailers like Target, Starbucks, Home Depot, and more. What are you waiting for? Get on it. There is no time to waste in the restaurant business, especially when an opportunity comes up and you need extra capital. Cabbage created a simple, flexible way to get a line of credit of up to $150,000. Apply online and get a decision right away. Withdraw funds when you need them without reapplying. Cabbage has helped over 100,000 small businesses. Get started at cabbage.com slash unstoppable and you'll get a $100 gift card when you qualify. That's cabbage with a K. Line of credit is subject to credit approval. See terms and conditions. And with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Janae Libby. Janae, are you feeling unstoppable today? Today, yes, I am. I need to feel <laughs> yes. unstoppable today. <laughs> yes. So Janae Libby is a writer of food, fiction, travel, and essay, struggling photographer, a frustrated novelist, and a lover of diner ephemera. Did I say it right that time? Um, ephemera. <laughs> what exactly is that anyway? What's- um, Like bibs and bobs, you know, like tchotchkes, like just all the stuff that comes in a diner, oh. all that crap. I was an English teacher, so I'm a, I'm a lover of vintage words. I can tell. Uh, she's obsessed with vintage cookbooks as well and sells them at her Etsy shop, uh, Audacious Cookbook Cook. It's, it's, it's weird. Audacious Cookbook Sellers, but it's Cook's. In parentheses, you'll find it. I'll have links in the show notes. She's written for Seville Weekly, uh, the 2015 Virginia Travel Guide, and Unite Virginia Magazine. Her most recent passion is the Audacious podcast. Audacious is all about getting people to stop talking about people in food and to get them talking with people in food in attempts to create a connection and strengthen community. That alone is what I love about you. I mean, I love everything so far that I've learned about you, but that really hit something uh, struck a vein and within me that idea of uh, creating and strengthening connections and communities. Uh, And I think we have that in common. So maybe that will come up in today's discussion, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Um, My quote, and it's the, it's also my new year's resolution. I post it on Instagram every year. Just show up, just show up, show up. That's so like dive into that quote and why it resonates to you and the, the significance of it. Well, um, I have social anxiety 
And uh, it's better now with the podcast, that's for sure. But for the longest time, I was afraid to show up. Uh, If there were food events and I had to go by myself, or if I was meeting new people or going to dinner parties or things like that, or even just going out to the store, uh, I I was very nervous about it. So I would just tell myself, just show up. And what I've learned is if you overcome that fear and just get there, stuff happens. There's mm-hmm. a ripple effect. You mm-hmm. might run into someone who can help you in your business. You might run into someone uh, that you've been dying to talk with. You don't know what's going to happen. Yep. If you don't show up, nothing happens. Absolutely. I love it. It really reminds me to my own mantra or reminds me of my own mantra, which is that you know, there's ain't nothing to it, but to do it. And uh, whenever like every day, like when you want to ch- tackle a new project or if you're, there's a, uh, I don't know, uh, any responsibility you have, anything you have to do that we waste so much time and energy thinking about how much we don't want to do or just being or having anxiety about the situation. And, and if you just do it, you get that momentum started. It's like, it's, a, it's such a waste of energy just to, to worry. Uh, just do it and get it over with. I love it. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. All right. So I have no agenda for today's conversation. Uh, I really just want to learn more about you and what you're doing, uh, your story. And I mean, you've talked to now 84, uh, you've had 84 episodes. So you've talked to, I don't know if those were all interviews or, or what, but you've talked to a lot of successful restaurant people. You've probably seen trends. Uh, who knows where we're going to end up. Let's just start with first saying like, what, what's, what's your story? Like, why did you start uh, this podcast and, uh, what's your mission? Um, well, I always, I tell, it's funny. I used to tell people that I did it, uh, to bring more folks to my food writing. Cause I'm a food writer by trade. Um, I've had a lot of jobs in my life and the latest one is food writing. <laughs> this is what I do. Um, and I used to tell people that that's why I started a f- podcast. Cause it was another way, another stream to get folks to the website. But in truth, I started it. Uh, because I was very depressed back in 2014, um, extremely depressed. My writing wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't having any fun with it. And I listened to a lot of Mark Maron. I really like him as a comedian. I like his podcast. And he talked so much about how it kind of saved him. Like it made him show up. It gave him something regular that he had to do that he had to publish on a regular basis. So I was like, what the hell? I I got, I don't know what else to do. I've been in therapy. That didn't work. Uh, antidepressants didn't work. Let's try a podcast. And I actually talked about it uh, on Libsyn. And that was the first time that I admitted that that's why I started this. But it, it, it has been incredible. It has saved me. It has given me something regular uh, that I, I know every other week I publish on a Thursday to do that, I have to reach out to folks and set up interviews to do that. I have to get in the car and just show up and the ripple effects and the rewards that I have gotten from this project have been incredible. I could talk for two hours just about that. I can, the people I've met. Yeah, I can totally relate. Uh, Jenny, I, I'm going to say that a couple of times, Janae, <laughs> sorry. I can totally re- relate Janae because uh, it gives you purpose. And I think, you know, for me, yes. that's what it is. It gives you a sense of purpose. And I feel like that's a lot of the reason why people do deal with depression. They don't have that, that, 
you know, ultimate self-actualization that the, the peak of human needs of just that of finding your purpose in life. And when you yeah. can show up every day with a purpose to serve people that you care about and to know that you're making an impact and effect, uh, on the lives of other people with your work, it's so rewarding. Uh, do you get that same sense too? Absolutely. And what I found is it got the focus out of my head and off of me Mm -hmm. and onto my guest because I want to present them in the best light possible. This is their forum for their business, their chance to tell their story. And so I I find great joy in that. It's so much fun to decide what's, what do I do next? Who do I talk to next? And you bring up a great point, something that I've discovered on my own as well. Uh, and have has been reinforced listening to other uh, podcasts or audiobooks, which is that whole idea of taking the focus off of you. Uh, I've noticed a lot of successful people uh, where they where they find the will to show up and to just do it, like we talked about earlier, uh, is they take the focus off of them and they realize it's not about me, but it's about everybody else. And when you take that focus off yourself and you make it about everybody else, it's so much easier. It's so much easier to show up because. Yeah you don't, you get out of your own head, you know, it's about service to others. Uh, and I think that same mentality can be applied to the restaurant industry. If you're afraid to open your own restaurant or to do your own side hustle or start like a food venture, like th- make it about serving other people, make it about everyone else in your community. What do you think about that? Yeah. Oh, I hear that so much. Um, so many of the restaurateurs I talk to use the word guest, you know, they are not a customer. They are not a transaction. They are a guest. They are completely focused on the folks visiting their establishment. Um, Justin Ross in particular, he's a restaurateur who his restaurant closed, but he was able to open in a different location and his whole value system revolves around focusing on the guest, making, having, making sure that they have the best experience possible from beginning to end when they walk through the door. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's a good, and it, get, it does, it gets you out of your own head. Yeah. It gets you like um, thinking and creating. And, and you know, one thing, um, it, I took a business course and as part of that course, you had to determine your brand and decide, you know, what is your brand? Uh, what does it look like? And in my group, they kept telling me, Janae, you are the brand, you are the brand. It's you, it's your personality. It's your quirkiness. It's your, you know, you cuss every so often. It's your sense of humor. And I had a, a proper, it was really hard for me to, to agree with that because I, I'm so focused on shining the light on my guest and making sure that, that their episode is perfect. Awesome. So that was a big learning curve for me and so something I still struggle with a little bit. Dive deeper. Cause I, you know, I feel like the lesson that you learned about your brand is an extension of who you are. And it's much easier to be true to your brand when your brand is just an extension of who you are. You don't have to show up every day to be the brand. You just be who you are. And I've noticed that the really successful people in this industry aren't pretending to be anything. They don't come up with a concept. They just express themselves and they do what they do. And it's all genuine and authentic. And it's those people who are the most genuine, who have the biggest purposes in sense of just service that do the best. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's interesting you say that because I've tried to be maybe too clever or too something on Instagram or on Facebook, yeah. and I don't get much engagement with those posts. But when I'm just myself, 
I get a lot more engagement. It's almost like people know yeah. they can tell yeah. when you're faking. I, I dig it. So you started the podcast originally to, uh, generate for like lead generation essentially. And also to find purpose, to get out of the slump that you're in, to show, to have something to show up for every day. Why did you pick the topic of bringing people together and telling the stories, uh, and really creating awareness that these aren't just restaurants, but these are people like these, these are the, these brands, these concepts are the extension of real people who care about what they do. Like I I love the, the impact in the, the human I don't know what's the word. Uh, just the what? What's what's the word? Like humanness isn't a word, but you're the English teacher <laughs> or English major. Yeah, humanity, the yeah. connection, the like going beyond like the menu and and what you're eating, and to the people who actually do the work mm-hmm. because it is hours and hours and hours of very hard work and years and years and years of training to get to that point. Um, I. Like I said, I was a food writer for a long time, uh, probably seven or eight years before I decided to do the podcast. I got so pissed off at Yelp and folks who go to Yelp and complain. Most of the time, I think it's misguided. I think it's misdirected. I think they probably had a bad day and they need to take it out on somebody. I'm like, and as a food writer, a lot of these chefs became my friends. The farmers became my friends. You know, I would see them at the farmer's market, talk to them at their restaurant. Charlottesville is a small town, so that's not hard to do. You get to be friends pretty fast. Um, I started out reviewing restaurants and that quickly went away because I could not give a restaurant a bad review because I know how hard they work. Mm -hmm. And so I really wanted to tell the stories of the people who do the work of food. I call it the work of food. Whether you are laboring in a kitchen as a dishwasher or you are a bee farmer, or you are in a boardroom trying to enact policy around food. Maybe you run a nonprofit for those less fortunate. These folks work so hard and to just write them off with like a little paragraph review and give them one star is it's bullshit. Yeah. They don't deserve that. You know, our society has gotten so transactional. Everything there's no sense of humanity anymore. And like what my words say how that affects you, how that affects your business, how that affects your livelihood. It's not just a place for you to go and eat and hang out. That's somebody's livelihood. That's their passion. That's their life. They, they might've, you know, signed a a mortgage or what a second mortgage or like put up their house. Like, and you can just go out there and just, you know, slander their name. And half the time, these people don't even know what they're talking about. Um, I hear what you're saying. Uh, yeah, so absolutely. What would you say your mission is now? If you could distill it to like wh- how you want to make the world a better place, what's your mission now? Oh my goodness. Um, well, I want to continue to tell the stories of the people doing the work of food. Um, it took me a while to get there though. I wasn't sure what my purpose was when I first started. I think that's important to say. You don't always know. You have an idea, a gut feeling, but you're like, okay, no, I kind of know what I, so it took me a little while to get to the point where I'm at now. And right now I would like to um, involve more of the community. I want to continue to talk to food folks, but I would love to do fundraisers for the community um, events, live events where people come out and, and have that face-to-face interaction and break bread together uh, I'm active in the Appalachian Food Summit, and they do something called the Cornbread Convocation, 
where people come together and have soup, beans, and cornbread and just talk. And it's to raise money for the Appalachian Summit to, you know, help them economically to promote the agritourism in that region. And I just think it's important. Uh, no, no offense to other podcasters that do this, but one of my tenets when I started is I will only do face-to-face interviews. Uh, and I'm going to keep to that. It has brought it. me so much joy. Uh, I've driven to Dugspur, Virginia to a cider makers. Um, I have driven to uh, Chapel Hill to talk with Bill Smith at Crook's Corner. And it's something about driving there, having that 360 experience and then sitting across from the person and seeing their body language and seeing, I don't know, being in their place of work just adds so much to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's about connection. And I, and right now I want to continue the connection, but I want to make it stronger too. I want to uh, uh, involve more of the community and make it bigger. And my dream is to have a podcast network here, an audacious network where I have other folks telling food stories under the umbrella because there are thousands of them here. And I'm just one woman. I oh, can't get cool. to them all. That's really cool. I think uh, if you're listening to this, make sure you reach out to, to Janae because I was going to say, like, I think that more people should be. I think this is like a whole new potential like career path for people like local people just telling the stories of their local communities and providing a platform for people to share the who, the why, and just helping connect. And the the future is so promising because of our ability to remove the middleman. Uh, yeah. And the stories won't get warped and agendas won't get in, like in the way and people can just tell their stories. Uh, yeah. and because of technology and because we can just literally communicate with anybody. And that's one thing I love about my podcast. Uh, it's authentic. It's, it's, it's a podcast by restaurant people for restaurant people, no more hidden agendas. Uh, and I, th- I feel like that's the same thing going on with you, which I really like. Yeah. I love that. Taking out the money man. Yeah, um, absolutely. Your, your podcast is so great because I talk with so many, uh, food folks who have no time to meet with others and network. Yep. What are you doing? What's, what are you doing? That's a problem. What are you doing? Well, you know, what, what have you been successful at? So they can listen to podcasts like yours and learn, you know, as they drive to work, as they drive to the farm or whatever. Um, And another point you made, I'm actually in a Facebook group for regionally based podcasts. There's a guy podcasting out of new Orleans. There's another one, Chris Hollifield in Salt Lake city. And they get, a lot of response from tourists who listen to podcasts like Edacious. I've been told this too, before they get to the place mm. to learn more about it. So, you know, I'm tra- traveling to Salt Lake City. I don't know anything about the food there, but I'll listen to I Am Salt Lake and learn on my way, on the plane, in the car, whatever. And that's, that is an angle I never even thought of yeah. when I started this. You know, the future is so bright. I, I mean, yeah. we can just go on and on, but even just the idea that uh, I think generally people feel like there's a void uh, in society right now, a void of connectivity, a void of uh, authenticity, and there's a hunger for that. And yes. it's easier. I mean, the more we learn, the more, the, the faster we can share knowledge, people are becoming wise to we need to maybe kind of go back, take a few steps back and uh, not go to the most convenient place, not go to the cheapest place, not 
go to the place that has the most money to put ads in front of me, but to give my money to, you know, to buy food from friends. I think that was a quote from who was it? He was just on the show. Uh, Oh, I like that. Lee McKnight, uh, what's his first name? <laughs> I talked to too many people. I'm like, I'm, oh man, uh, Chef McKnight. Uh, he mentioned that, and it's easy. I think people understand. It. There's just so much more, I guess, awareness on like the impact of where you spend or put your money or get who you give your money to. Uh, sure, sure. The uh, Small Business Saturday is happening after Thanksgiving, and that's very popular here. I, in Charlottesville, we're lucky. We have a huge bounty of small businesses and a lot of them food related and a lot of support for it. So there, you know, there's a lot of initiatives, Hey, you know, buy from a small business, buy from your friend, you know, buy food from your friend, you know, don't go to the big box store if you can. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And there's tons of purveyors doing everything from pickles to, you know, uh, kimchi to hot sauce to whatever spices. My good, it's everything. Name it. I've got a woman. I talked with her. She's selling salt, seasoning salt. And the wedding industry has hit us so hugely too, that even the salt lady is involved in the oh, wedding wow. industry, which <laughs> was, I was like, really? Oh, <laughs> like, well, I kind of want to take some lessons from you. We didn't, I'll talk a lot about, just what we're up to in the, the, the industry podcasting in general, but all these people you spoke to, what are some uh, common threads or common characteristics of these people, these successful food people? Uh, what are some of the things that you've noticed that make them successful or the, some of the common characteristics, characteristics of those who are successful? One is the passion. Like uh, nobody shows up and sits there and complains about their job for an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, are not doing this to make money. They are doing it because they love it. You know, they have found something that they would do for free. They work so hard tirelessly for, you know, 60, 70 hours a week. I'm thinking my friend, um, Rachel Pennington owns the pie chest. And she just texted me that she did an all nighter, like almost 24 hours straight of baking to prepare for Thanksgiving. Wow. And she does it because she loves it. And her shop is extremely successful. She makes an incredible product. It's the best pies I've ever had. And people respond to it. Um, so that's what's one thing is the, just the passion. I see it in their eyes and the, uh, they get excited. Um, they're always looking for the next thing. You know, what else can I do with the business? It's They don't ever just sit back and say, okay, that's enough. They're always thinking of the next steps. Um they have a great love for Charlottesville and where we live. Uh, and another thing, I see this a lot in the beer industry, cider and wine industry is a very tight community based focus where if a piece of equipment fails, say a cider maker at Potter's craft, maybe their, their apple press broke or something, they will reach out and say, Hey, anybody got one I can use? eight people will come forward and offer it. How would, you, how would you describe that? Not uh, a sense of community, but a sense of togetherness, maybe? Uh, yeah. Not, it's like, not about me versus you, but it's about us. Exactly. We, you know, we are trying to help each other make an, a perfect, great product. You know, there's healthy competition, but it's, you know, cause they might be in the same boat one day and need help. Mm-hmm. So it's, 
that was amazing to me because you think business, you think, oh, it's pre- it's pretty uh, cutthroat. Yeah, that was a, that was an aha moment for me too. When I first got started, I was really afraid that people wouldn't be opened, that people would be guarded and they would hold knowledge and secrets close to their chest because they think that's what makes them successful and they don't want their competition to have that knowledge. But the truth is the most successful people in our industry are the most generous with their knowledge. Uh, and And they're giving it away to everybody and surrounding themselves and developing the next wave of professionals. And eventually what they do is they just build this foundation of incredible people around them. Uh, they, go into partnerships, open more restaurants because they're so willing to give knowledge and mentor. Uh, so it's, oh, there's so many. yeah. Yeah. You talk with Craig Hartman. Mm-hmm. He's yep. a huge mentor. He oh, has yeah. mentored so many chefs here. Yeah. Um, I can think of, uh, Oh, Matt Rohde at Carpe Donut. He, he helps run iLab, which is kind of a think tank of uh, new small business owners. Um, he mentors folks all over town. Yeah, even like Craig Hartman, I was having a conversation with uh, Brooks Tanner, who I've become close with. Uh, Oh, he's awesome. (laughs) And he he made a point. At at one point, uh, Craig Hartman had, I think, like five executive chefs working for him. And that's the kind of person. So imagine having five executive chef quality cooks working under you. And it's because of his desire to teach, to bring, to build teams, to bring people together. So all those people that were at the barbecue exchange opening that restaurant are now executive chefs doing their own thing or, or partners or owners. Like that says something. Oh yeah. Uh, I, uh, Michael Keevney at Tavala here in town, he is kind of famous for that. He mentors young chefs and then they go off and open their own restaurant. Uh, Lauren Mendoza was a chef of his and opened Lampo with three other guys it's the most popular place in town now. You can't get a seat. You cannot get a seat. It is so popular. Awesome. So it's again, it's that, and it and it only makes the community the stronger yeah. to 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 do that. So uh, what we've covered so far, as far as what characteristics do you, do these people have in common? Yeah, passion, a uh, love for community, and an us mentality, uh, making it about sharing knowledge and you know the whole food community itself. Uh, making sure everybody does well. Um, yeah. Did I miss anything? I don't think so. I, I do want to point out too, um, in the hospitality industry, I've seen this time and again, uh, you, health insurance is awful. I mean, you don't, if you have any, it's terrible. You may, you probably don't have any. Mm-hmm. And we've had a few issues here in the past year where uh, uh, bakers and chefs have had injuries um, Bashir needed a knee transplant because he's 70 and he owns Bashir's Taverna down on the mall. Everybody comes forward to help. Oh, how can I help? Let me donate. Do you need me to cook for you for a week? It's unreal. Mm. It's unreal. It's, it's literally like corralling the, what is it? Corralling the wagons in a circle. Which is I, it, how it used to be, which is, I mean, yeah, it's weird. The barn because, raising. Yeah. Like we, we forget that. It took hundreds of thousands of years for us to evolve to where we are today. And only in the two, the past two centuries, uh, have we not been really dependent on each other. Uh, yeah. But up to that point, like if you were out on your own, you, your husband or wife and child, odds are you weren't going to make it. Like it's a tough world out there. You needed, like it literally took a, a tribe to raise a child. Um, yeah. 
and we've lost that sense of community. And I don't know. I, I think it's really great that uh, these these food people, these uh, restaurateurs or farmers or purveyors, whatever you want to call it, they really are starting to bring that back and realize that we need each other to to do things yeah. right, not just to get by, but to do things right. Yeah, exactly. I, exactly. I completely agree. Completely yeah. agree. Uh, anything else before we move on? Any other th- commonalities, traits that you you picked up on just observing these incredible people? Wait, I almost forgot. We need to thank our sponsors. Have you heard of the 80-20 rule? Well, if you haven't, it states that for many events, roughly 80% of effects come from 20% of the causes. How does this apply to the restaurant industry? Roughly 80% of your total revenue comes from 20% of your customers. That 20%, well, those are your loyal customers. Five Stars helps you get more loyal customers and helps you strengthen the bond between existing loyal customers. This method is so effective that Five Stars users have reported up to 200% increase in revenue. Set up a demo today and learn about their two newest features. Word of mouth, which allows your guests to share the rewards they earn at your restaurant with their friends and network matching, where basically if you get a hundred customers to sign up, five stars will send you 100 new customers that have never been to your restaurant. To learn more, head over to get.fivestars.com slash unstoppable or use promotional code unstoppable. And when you see a demo, five stars will send you a $25 gift card to some of their favorite retailers like Target, Starbucks, Home Depot, and more. Get on it. To be unstoppable, most restaurant owners require extra capital from time to time. When you need funding to renovate, buy equipment, or manage cash flow, you don't have time to track down financial statements or wait weeks for a decision. That's where Cabbage can help. Cabbage gives small businesses access to a line of credit of up to $150,000. Apply online and you'll get a decision right away. Since Cabbage is a line of credit, you can take the exact amount you need. You never have to reapply to take out additional loans and you only pay for the funds you use. Cabbage has helped more than 100,000 businesses from every industry with over $3 billion in funding. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and was named a Forbes Top 100 company twice in a row. Check out Cabbage with a K dot com slash unstoppable and you'll get a $100 gift card when you qualify. That's K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash unstoppable line of credit is subject to credit approval. See terms and conditions. We're back. So what are some of these other traits you've noticed people having that you've uh, talked to? See, I see a lot of creativity. Uh, with, I don't know, with branding, with their, their approach to business, that that's actually something I do see. Like I, I mentioned, they're always looking at the next step. I'm thinking of the Potter's Craft Boys. I mean, they amaze me with the creativity that they come up with, with the different flavors of cider and the way that they ferment the cider with hibiscus and passion fruit. And I think they just did one with great must and they're always trying new things. And it, and you know, we reap the benefits. We get to enjoy what their, their mad experiments with cider. And that's, that's just one example. Like yeah. it astounds me every time I'm like, wow, I never would have thought to do that. Yeah, I think one book I think everybody needs to read in the hospitality industry is peak by Chip Connolly. Are you familiar with that book? 
No, I don't um, know that you one. Would love it, but it, essentially, it talks about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. In that, like, if you really want to be successful, focus on the higher needs. Uh, so your most basic need, food, shelter, yeah. and then above that, security. But once you get above those basic needs, security, food, and shelter, uh, your needs are basically belonging, being loved, learning, huh. growing, expressing, and then self-actualization, which is finding your purpose, your your the the role you fill in community in, in your in your community. Uh, yeah. But what you just mentioned, the whole idea of always looking to the next step or always learning or being creative kind of ties into that self act or not self actualization, but that sense of growth of learning of new, doing new things, which really feeds the soul. Uh, I've definitely picked up on that too. Would you agree that a lot of people uh, who are successful in this industry seem to focus on the, those higher values, those higher needs, not necessarily getting more money, but focusing on being loved in loving and being creative yes. and, you know, serving. Am I, is Absol- that a stretch? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They're not in this to make money because <laughs> you don't, you yeah. don't, but you can, that's the other thing you, you yeah, can, you can, uh, the, the big names in the industry the, you know, the Danny Myers, uh, the name John Besh keeps coming to mind, which is kind of a bad example, right now. <laughs> but, uh, he, regardless of what he might be guilty of, he did create something incredible. Uh, and he was following his passion and, you know, when you follow, if you want to be successful in this industry beyond just doing what you love and if you want like financial success, don't focus on the money, don't chase the money, focus on serving others and the money will come. Um, not, I agree. not always, <laughs> but like, uh, well, and part of like, if that is your goal, is to make money, then that's certainly, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not knocking that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm listening to you talk. And I, I had a recent conversation with a chef named Todd Grieger and he got his dream job. He, he was an executive chef at Red Pump Kitchen, his dream job, you know, very prestigious. You know, he worked hard, fought hard for the position, got the job, hated it. Mm. And it made him reassess okay, this isn't me self-actualized. You know, this isn't my version of success. What should I do? He ended up teaching. He did that for a little while. Then, you know, he's playing around with pizza. Now I hear he's back doing, he's sous chefing in a different restaurant. And he told me when he started teaching, a lot of people said, why are you doing that? Like, what the hell? Like you were executive chef at this great... And, but it's being true to yourself. You know, how do I become self-actualized? How you know, I want to work in food, but what, how, and how will it make me happy? And for some that is making money. And for some that is teaching and there's room for all of it. There's room for everyone. Mm, yeah. Uh, man, this has been a really great conversation up to this point. I can't believe what time, how long we've been recording for <laughs> already at a half hour. Uh, oh. we, we did mention, uh, you wanted to talk about the, the recent events that happened in Charlottesville, uh, and I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the issues with John Besh, uh, yeah, because you brought that up earlier, mm-hmm. uh, or you actually re- you had an episode that you published that goes into detail, and that would be cool conversation. So, what did you want to talk about uh, in regard to the recent events in Charlottesville? Um, I I will I'll keep this brief. <laughs> which will be tough because I got a lot of opinions about it. Um, 
I have been amazed at the reaction of the community to those tragic events. Um, we, everyone I know was warning about it for months ahead of time because we knew it was coming and we all felt like no one was listening to us. And then it happened and we, we kind of were like, see, we told you so. We knew this was going to happen. The people who descended on our town were not from here. So that was weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it is a very small town. Uh, I cross 4th Street every day. If I go into town, that's where I park. So to have that happen in a place right next to the farmer's market where I shop was incredibly tough. It was tough. I mean, it's still tough to mm-hmm. walk that area. Um, I have friends who were there and witnessed it and were affected and they're still suffering from PTSD. But the response gave me chills because it just proved what I've known all along is that this is a fucking kick-ass town. Mm. It just is. People come together. What was the response for people who aren't completely aware of the response? What was it? Uh, Well, we had, I know we had a designer. She came up with the Seville Love logo and everybody, you know, to raise money for the folks who were injured. Uh, and everybody bought stickers, t-shirts, you know, immediately. Um, I don't know. People seem to be frequenting the mall more, uh, visiting more local businesses. I've, I've heard folks going up to each other and just saying, especially in the week after, how are you doing? Are you okay? Like if they saw somebody that looks sad, like total strangers doing this with one another, are you doing okay? You'd look like you're upset. Um, it's just been amazing. It's been, it's been amazing. Uh, we've got a lot of very active activists in town who are following where these folks are going. I don't call them folks. These assholes are going to Murfreesboro. They're down in Gainesville and they report on it. They're keeping tabs on these guys, you know, to make sure this doesn't happen again. So it has kind of galvanized this community in a lot of ways Mm. and has, uh, I know a free concert series was created because of it. So it, it's almost caused folks to think of, okay, how can we come together in person and strengthen ourselves, whether it's over music or over food or just asking a stranger, how are you doing? You know, how can we make this town even better than it's always been? What have you learned about how to respond to hate? What have I learned? Oh my goodness. Um, that's a tough question. See, to me, uh, hate is a form of anger, which is a form of fear. So anytime I see that kind of hate, it's funny. It kind of goes back to the Yelp thing because I I just think a lot of it is misdirected. I think Mm -hmm. people are hurting. And when you have that much pain, and you're holding on to it, it hurts. And so you have to fling it at someone like a hot potato because you can't. And that's usually in the form of, you know, hate speech, uh, actions, whatever, because you're hurting so much in your own life. And you, you're just like, I can't do this here. You take it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm getting very spiritual (laughs) and physical here on the podcast, but it's fine. Yeah. And I mean, and I like that, Uh, but I'm from New Hampshire, so I'm, removed it's not as near and dear to my heart but I'll, the lesson i took away from that uh, experience 
uh, this event was that you don't fight hate with hate. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yes. To me, you know, I get the passion. I get the, the, the need, the desire to defend. Uh, but there's, there's ways to do it, uh, that don't create and don't, it's like pouring gasoline on fire. You're not going to make the situation go away. You're going to make the situation get worse. So, I mean, for me, that was the lesson and and this is a life lesson, no matter what the situation is, if somebody's uh, coming into your restaurant and they're angry or whatever, whenever you approach an angry person, one person or a group of people with anger to fight their anger, it's just going to increase the levels. It's like adding 10 points of anger to 10 points of anger. You're going to get 20 points of anger. Like, uh, you know, like, like Justin Ross, the, the restaurateur I was talking about, he told a great story about this angry man came into the restaurant. So pissed off, you know, hated everything. He was sitting at the bar. Nothing was right. And they just kept killing him with kindness, you know, just nice, nice, nice over, you know, the hour or two that he was there eating. And at the end of the meal, he went up to Justin and said, I'm so sorry that I was angry when I came in, but I just found out that I have cancer. Mm. So there was some, you don't know what people are carrying around. Mm-hmm. You do not know. Yeah. And it's very easy to fling out hate speech or to be angry. It's a lot harder to get to the root of the matter, to have discourse, to yeah. sit and talk about the hard topics. Yeah. I mean, Everybody's got a journey that they're on and you don't know what it is. Yeah. Just think about Martin Luther King or Gandhi. Uh, these are people who had the right idea. They, there was an issue. Uh, they didn't like it. They wanted to oppose it. And they did it with peace. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, I, you know, it's such a great life lesson. Uh, whether it's, you know, if you have, I guess, people teaming up in within your restaurant, like a group of like five or six people who are angry at one person, uh, you know, and you get like two sides forming, like, remember that lesson that like hate and anger just doesn't, it doesn't solve anything. Yeah. Uh, so if anything to take away from that experience, we don't need to dwell too much on this topic. Uh, you don't fight hate with hate. Uh, and anger. absolutely. So, absolutely. Uh, anything else you wanted to, to, to discuss before we com- completely seal the, the conversation on Charlottesville and what happened? No, I just, I'm, I'm proud of our town. Uh, you know, the powers that be didn't handle it that great, but I think, <laughs> I think everybody else yeah. has handled it. And hopefully now we know yeah. and it won't happen again. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> so, hopefully. yeah, you, you recently published an episode on the 26th last week uh, and you did some discussion around uh, harassment. You're, you're going to a, uh, uh, a, not a seminar, but a, what's the word I'm looking for? A gathering yeah. uh, this upcoming yeah. week. Right. I'm actually I'm moderating a panel next week or next week. Oh my God. It's this week. Holy crap. It's called women in food and it's part of the Fireflower fork festival in Richmond. And it's with Kristen Kish and joy crump of top chef and Carrie diamond of cherry bomb and Jessica Wilson, who's a, a Richmond restaurateur who worked at prune in New York. Oh, cool. She's moving to Richmond to open uh, Grace, I think it's called. And it's called Women in Food. And I bet the John Besh allegations will come up. Mm-hmm. Um, harassment in the kitchen is around. It has always been around. I worked in food for many years and I experienced it myself. And it's a topic whose time 
has come to has finally has come. Uh, it's kind of like Mad Men, you know, that kind of behavior was okay for a long time and it's just not anymore. It's just not, there are, it never was, it never was, but I feel like now people are more willing than ever before to stand up and more educated than ever before. And they know the standards are different. The expectations are different because we, you can go get the information of what's right, what's wrong, what what can I, what can you get away with, what can't you get away with, and people are more willing to stand up because they know that this isn't okay, which is a good thing. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, and that's a poor, poor choice of words on my part. It was ignored for a long time, <laughs> yeah. and now it's like not ignored. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, what are your thoughts on that, though? What, what? I mean, it's you look at somebody like John Besh, who was so celebrated for so long, and you don't want to forget what he has accomplished. I mean. We don't. We weren't there. We don't know what was said, how it was said, what maybe. We don't know the details, so you don't want to make assumptions. Uh, but I mean, what's? How do you feel when you get that news? Uh, of what's going on well, in your mind? I, as a woman, I tend to side with the victims. I yeah. mean, if you have twenty-five women yeah. who are coming forward to say this, it's yeah. probably a Bill Cosby yeah. situation. <laughs> I'm yeah. like. It makes me sad. I've I've eaten at Borneo. I've eaten at August. I I've enjoyed his food. I've watched his cooking show, mm-hmm. um, his family centric cooking show, yeah. and I'm just like, dude, really? Oh, Where were and he had no HR guy for an empire that size. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't think Danny Meyer would be doing that. <laughs> no. You know, he probably had his HR get two restaurants. Okay, time for an HR person. Yeah. Um, I, I don't get it. I, yeah. um, I don't you know. A I, great point is the HR, uh, when you scale, I mean, I think when you're small, uh, there's a level of camaraderie, a level of, yeah, you're saying those things, but I know you well enough to know that they're just words and you're not a threat to me. Uh, but as you grow and as you become further removed from each one of your employees, you don't have the same, uh, impact with each one of them, you're diluted in a sense. Uh, they don't know you as well. Uh, you really got to be careful about who you kid around with. Uh, you, I mean, there really isn't a place for it, but I mean, we've all been there. We've all joked around. Uh, I mean, I've had women make sexual comments towards me at working in a yeah. restaurant and you just laugh it off and you know that yeah. it's not meant to be, uh, it happens all the time. Uh, but I mean, it's, this is a really tough conversation. Cause I don't want to cross any lines that what I say, uh, I really want to stay neutral. Um, but you really got to think about HR as you grow, as you don't have as, as each relationship gets a little bit more diluted with that, you know, stretching, stretching yourself out. You really got to get those, those, uh, standards in place, those ways to protect yourself, the ways to protect your staff in place. Yeah. And I've actually had folks ask me about this, issue and did I experience it? And what I've, what I've been telling them is like I said, I've worked many jobs. God, I've probably had 40 or 50 different jobs. I worked for a law firm when I was young and there was a lot of that teasing in the office, but it never made me feel less than I have been harassed in other jobs and in my food jobs. And it did make me feel less than Mm. there is definitely a way to do it. It, I think it comes to like the level of friendship you have with your colleagues. You know, are you just colleagues or do you hang out after work? I, there's so many gray mm-hmm. areas. Nothing's black and white yeah. ever. I mean, there's levels. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
something you say might be taken a wrong way by someone else. It's yeah, it's, it's not an easy topic no. at all. No. Uh, and I'll be honest. Uh, I didn't know about what happened with John Bash until like yesterday because I'm, I, I really, for somebody who has a, a podcast, uh, a restaurant podcast, you'd think I'd pay attention to like the news, like the happenings, but I really don't, I don't really believe in news. Um, I think that, I don't know. I'd rather not, I'd rather not look at the news to be completely honest. Uh, so I heard about this the other day and I was like, Whoa, like John Bish, he's like on my hit list of dream guests. I was like, maybe I should take him off. Maybe I should get him on and have him talk about it. Like, what do I do? Uh, and then, uh, this happened and uh, I was talking to Rudy Mick, who's a past guest in the show. And, uh, he brought it up because of an episode we recorded yesterday on the topic of harassment. Uh, so that, that episode will be going live on Friday. So, uh, if you are interested in this topic of harassment, what you can do to protect yourself, what you can do to learn about what's right and what's wrong, uh, we will dive into that on Friday's episode. So do check into that if you're listening to this. Um, yeah, I definitely will too. That's, Janae, that's great that you did that. I can't believe we're already at 45, over 45 minutes of recording time. I, I want to make sure, <laughs> is there anything that you were really hoping we would discuss today that we we didn't get around to that we can, you know, cover in the next few minutes before we say goodbye hmm well i as a podcaster i don't know um how like how many podcasters listen to us uh i'm actually i actually have a mentor now who is to help trying to help me monetize and we keep talking about how do you break that (laughs) nut you know get away from cpms and old-fashioned methods and so I would love like, any ideas you have because okay, you're a business restaurant based. I'm a food based podcast. Yeah. You know, is there a secret I'm getting creative? I try and get creative and come up with all the kinds of different streams and things, but. Oh man, that's like a whole nother episode. Honestly, what I, what I think <laughs> it comes down to is just not like we mentioned earlier, not focusing on the money, but focusing on providing value. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you start focusing on the money and creating content around making money, then I, I feel like that dilutes the, the impact. Uh, mm-hmm. and if you just show up and th- even like the most successful restaurateurs in the world didn't get to where they are overnight, you know, Danny right. Myers didn't have 30 shake shacks across the country in one year. Uh, he started right. in the eighties, you know, and he built his empire slowly by, by focusing on being amazing, not being big. There's a great book called small giants that, that says, don't focus on growth, focus on impact, focus on do, growing inward and doing every little thing as good as possible. And if you focus on doing those things, then the money kind of just shows up. So focus I mean, That's what I would say. Uh, and that's what I'm trying to do with the podcast. I don't, I, I, I realize money is one of those things that we need. It's a, it's fuel for the engine, right? It, it, it fuels the mission, but it doesn't happen overnight. I think is the the solution is just keep showing up and just do it. Right. Like we, we talked about earlier. What was the quote? Uh, the yeah, just, uh, show just show up. <laughs> That's what I say all the time. Just keep showing up, just show up. Just, and uh, you know, there are ways to monetize, but that, that can't be the objective, you know? Right. Um, right. I agree. I, I, like I said, I took a small business course and it was group based. So we had small learning groups. There was, there was 30 of us, but we were broken up into like groups of 10 and so many, I would say a good third of them are food based businesses. And it's been, it was interesting 
to me to be in a group of people who were learning like I was yeah. and what were their indirect and direct costs as yeah. opposed to my indirect and direct costs. Cause we had a lot of similarities, but it was a lot of different things too. Yeah. Um, and I would say that's another tenant is to just keep learning, yeah. like always ask questions and learn no matter they're not podcasters. So they had a lot of questions for me. What is a podcast? And I had questions for them. You know, how do you, hire what how do you decide what your brand is like you know i think another part of how the monetize with the podcast is just helping people connect uh and uh whenever you help other people i think the quote's like you can accomplish anything or you can get anything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want uh and if that if they're if they want knowledge or somebody who can help them with something and you can make that connection uh, a lot of times there's a, you know, an affiliate commission or whatever. If you can find a way to uh, help people connect, maybe listeners with purveyors, uh, people who are artisans and make awareness of the, the cool things that are out there and then maybe help these purveyors, these farmers, these art, art artisans get, teach them how to get their product out to other people through the internet. I don't know. Yeah. These are some ideas, but when you find ways to serve other people and to not make it about you, uh, but really just focus on the value that you add, whenever you add value, there's opportunity, right? Uh, that's what I would say. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. That's good advice. Oh, well, that was, I came out of left field. I wasn't expecting that conversation <laughs> to happen today. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, this has been great. Uh, Janae, uh, I'm trying to make sure I didn't miss anything. Uh, yeah, I do want to say uh, I came up with audacious because, like I said, I used to be an English teacher. And so I love vintage words. And audacious is a very vintage word that no one uses anymore, but it means ravenous or hungry or passionate. Ooh. And I like, I loved it. There's a lot, everybody, all the food words are taken. Yeah. You know, food, farm to fork and farm to table. And yeah, you know, I, just, I liked it. One thought I wanted to wrap up with is that I liked what you said earlier about teaching other people how to uh, put the spotlight on the amazing people in their community. And I think more people should be doing what you're doing. I think it would be a great side hustle for anybody who's passionate about food. Uh, start a, a local podcast. It's a great way to build your network, to open up opportunities for yourself. So I'm going to, the call to action today, if you're listening to this, if you're passionate about food and beverage and you're looking for a side hustle, you're looking to grow your network, start a one a month, a once a month podcast where you just spotlight and talk to people who are amazing in your community. And that's going to serve your community and that's going to open up doors. So that's your call to action. Email Janae after this, uh, find out what she's doing with audacious. Did I say it right? Eticus. Uh, why am I struggling so bad today with that word? Um, <laughs> you know it. You never forget yeah. it. And that might be that might be your your opportunity right there is helping other people spread the word about what's happening and strengthening bonds. And whenever you do things for the right reasons, it, it's, it just seems you just got to start. And I feel like once you build momentum, it gets easier and easier. Oh, you hit the nail right on the head. Awesome. I I could not have predicted the amount of incredible experiences I've had just because I decided to start a podcast. Yeah. Um, my friend had, has cancer and needed money cause he can't work. I had, I did a bake sale. All the bakers came forward. Can I help? I'll oh, yeah. make cookies. I'll make brownies. I, I cried. I was like, Oh my God, I had, thank you. Like I would, I would not have predicted that. Yeah. And it was incredible. It does open Best up doors. An example, uh, Karen page. Is that name? 
familiar to you? The really author of the, fla- the 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 flavor bible, the the uh, yes, the oh, I love that book. Or was it the flavor bible, food bible? Yeah, the, the flavor, flavor, bible. flavor bible. Yeah, um, culinary artistry. Uh, they got a new book coming out. Uh, I can't remember the title of it, but would she have ever tweeted at me, direct message me and say, Hey, uh, I want to send you my book. You know, we would love to talk about the industry. Like it opens up doors. Like I would have never had a direct connection with Karen page, one of the most well-known authors in the food and culinary like world realm. Uh, I had Donnie Madia of one-off hospitality invite me to go to the, the, uh, the welcome conference in New York, like one-off hospitality, one of the most incredible restaurant groups in Chicago. Like it will open up doors. I'm not trying to brag right now. I'm just saying like the, no, the you're, you're pinching yourself, right? Yeah. You're like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm get to do this. Four years ago, I was a, uh, hospitality major at a community college who said, I want to learn from those who have done it. And now like, you know, it's just, it, it does open up doors. It's re- it's really powerful. That's but great. That's so great. Now we're just we're just talking and talking and talking. I feel like <laughs> we can we can wrap it up. But uh, that is your call to action. So awesome. We love it. <laughs> Reach out to Janae and find out how you can do what she's doing in your local community. Uh, it will open up doors for you. And uh, great conversation today. Uh, we totally the shot from the hip. We had no plan going into this sucker. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. And I know I did. And uh, before we wrap up, Janae. Like always, I have all my guests call somebody out. Who is one independent restaurant operator, somebody you admire who just gets it, who would make a great guest mentor on the show? There's a good chance yeah, I might I've have already. i got my post-its here. Yeah, post-its. I have, have all your questions. <laughs> Lay it on me. <laughs> you know, I've got four here. Could I, could I do two? Yeah, or you can do four. It makes my job way easier. Not oh, really. okay. Uh, well, I'll do four. <laughs> All right. Uh, first guy, Jeff Deloff at Three Penny Cafe. He is really uh, walking the walk yeah. as far as local sustainable food sources. Um, he uh, uh, sustainable fish. Uh, he had razor clams at his restaurant in Charlottesville, which amazed me. I love them. Uh, he he cooks things like beef neck. Uh, he gets his pork from autumn olive farms, but he is completely dedicated to local sourcing. And I love his food. He's amazing. Uh, Gail Hobbs page at Caramont farm. She makes wonderful goat cheese and her farm went viral about a year and a half ago because she announced that after the election, everybody needed to cuddle a baby goat. And so she got <laughs> thousands of folks can I come cuddle a baby goat? <laughs> and so her story, how did she handle that? Yeah. That was a, that's a really good story. And she does incredible farm dinners out at, out at Caramont. Uh, I just went to one and recorded it Awesome. a couple weeks ago. That's going to go up on Thanksgiving. She's an amazing woman. Uh, Jason Alley in Richmond. He was just named Richmond's best chef. And he, was very courageous and admitted that he was an alcoholic and now he is in recovery. And the post that he wrote about that and his journey back, I, I consider him a dear friend, but I, it just floored me. Can you hit me with that name one more time? Jason Alley. He's the chef at uh, pasture and comfort and his new place is called Flora. Awesome. And he's an amazing chef. And you said he had four. Oh, and number four, 
uh, my, my girlfriend, Rachel Pennington at the pie chest doing the all nighters with the pies. Uh, she's a former religious studies major who became a baker and it turned her life around and her product is amazing. And she's an incredible writer. Uh, she did a post about how a pie shop can heal com- the community after something like August 12th. Mm. And she would be an amazing guest to have as well and after Thanksgiving. All these, fo- <laughs> yeah, all these folks are in the Charlottesville area. They are. Oh, Jason's in Richmond, but the other three are in the Charlottesville area. Yes. Awesome. Jeff, Gail, Jason, Rachel, look out. I'm coming after you. And you know, you mentioned uh, how Jason opened up about uh, his alcoholism. Uh, one thing I think is really amazing about the people I've interviewed is how open and transparent they are. Uh, multiple people have come out and, and confess of their alcoholism on the show. Not like public, like the for the first time, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to me how genuine and authentic successful people are in this industry. And it's such a lesson. Like people will take you for who you are, uh, but when you start hiding who you are and being secretive and denying it, that's when life really starts to fall around. But once you address it and recognize it and, you know, admit publicly, it makes it so much easier. It gets, it's like taking the weight off your shoulders and you can start getting help. Um, so if you do feel like you are struggling, that's the best thing you can do is just admit it and get the help. Exactly. Um, and to have the courage to be vulnerable now because <laughs> there's probably someone else yeah. with the same issue. Awesome. You're not so, alone. Jeff, Gail, Jason, Rachel, I'm coming after you guys and let the folks at home know, Janae, how can we connect with you? Uh, what's the best way? Uh, we'll see. My website is audacious.co because .com is for sale. I tell everybody <laughs> that. Um, I'm at audaciouspod on Twitter, Instagram, uh, I've got a Facebook page. I've got a Pinterest. It's all at Audacious Pod. Uh, would love your support at Patreon if you're so inclined. Check that out as well. And of course, I'm on iTunes and all your favorite podcast apps. Awesome. Come I'll, visit. We'd I'll love to have you. Do my best to get as many of those links in the show notes. This is episode 394. Head over to restaurantsunstoppable.com slash 394. I'll have the links right there as well as a summary of today's discussion. Janae, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, just to freestyle chat with me, to share your story, to share your advice, uh, to discuss what we know to be true about successful people in this industry. There is a no questioning. You are unstoppable. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers. Bam. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Thank you, Janae, for coming on the show, for uh, just being somebody who has values. Uh, I, I love making an example of people who commit their lives to really trying to make this world a better place. And Janae, you're one of those people, and you're doing it by uh, connecting hardworking people Uh, sharing their stories, sharing what makes them amazing with the world, uh, providing a platform to, to learn about these people and uh, more, more work in the world needs to be done like this, I believe. And I just love the idea of her, the mission of her show to get people to stop talking about restaurants and the people in restaurants and start talking with them. Uh, Something that I probably beat to death on the show is the idea that we live in in a, a transactional society where uh, there's no connection with the people that we interact with every day. It's just, you know, I give you the money, you give me the product, and that's as far as our relationship goes. 
and it, there's a void of, of connectivity in like authentic connectivity in our societies. And I just love people who recognize that and are choosing to do something about it. And if you want to help connect people in your community, uh, passionate purveyors, uh, artisans, people who are doing the work uh, that they're put on this earth to do, and you want to help promote them and share their story, uh, do connect with Libby. I'll have her contact Libby. Oh, it's her last name, Janae Libby. <laughs> I'll have our contact information in the show notes. Again, this is episode 394. Uh, aside from just helping in, you know, promoting and uh, connecting people, which is rewarding enough in itself, you're also going to meet people and put your brand out there and get your name out there, and it will open up doors. So uh, I wasn't even planning on this being a part of the episode. It kind of just happened in. Uh, I'm excited for Jenna. I hope that she is able to get people on board with this idea of uh, promoting local food people. And now I'm just rambling. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I know I did. And I don't even think I'm recording right now. Am I recording? Oh, sweet. I am. (laughs) I thought I was just letting it go. I didn't even think. Oh, we're good. We're recording. Anyway, uh, like always, guys, please do connect with me. Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Eric Catch Tori on Instagram and Twitter and slash Restaurant Unstoppable on Facebook. Let me know who you want to hear from. Let me know who you just admire in the industry. Who who should I make an example of? Put them on my radar. We'll get them on the show. We'll learn from them, from them together. Uh, share your challenges with me. Share, share your questions with me. I'll get an expert to answer your questions. And yeah, uh, what else? Keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. They help so much. They help validate my hard work. Uh, I do accept donations. Uh, I, this, this podcast is free. It's a lot of hard work. Three episodes a week. It's it's tough, guys, uh, but it, there's nothing better, in my opinion. I love what I'm doing, but I could use some help. So uh, head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash support. Any little bit of, of extra help will go a long way, and thank you in advance. Uh, but the best way to help and support this podcast, if you are finding value, is to share it. Please share this resource with anybody you know aspiring to be great in the hospitality industry. And that's all I have for you today. Thanks for sticking around this long. I love you all. And until next time, peace out.